Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, my name is Dr. Lee Lindquist and I'm Chief of Geriatrics at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago, Illinois. And today we'll be talking about COVID and seniors, treating in place in senior residential living. So right now, we're in the full-fledged midst of a COVID pandemic and we're seeing huge numbers of seniors being affected. So for me, I take care of a number of seniors living in uh, assisted living, independent living, skilled nursing, and long-term care. So we're talking about 90-year-olds, 95-year-olds, and my oldest patient, who's 104-year-olds. And we're seeing that many of these people are developing COVID, and their families are deciding not to transfer them to the hospital. So you end up being the person taking care of the patient with COVID or treating in place. And that's what we'll be discussing today. So the learning objectives will be to learn how to be better prepared at the facilities where these seniors live, learn options for testing and monitoring, learn about the treatment of COVID, and learn why transparency is so important. So one, preparedness, two, testing, three, treatment, and four, transparency. Hopefully you'll get some practical things that you can use um, in your day-to-day work with your seniors. So first off, preparedness. Um, And I feel like so many of us were behind the ball on this, uh, but definitely the most important thing is having enough PPE. So these are gloves and gowns and being in contact isolation um, as well as respiratory isolation. So senior facilities should also at this point not be allowing visitors. So anytime a visitor comes in to visit somebody, whether it's an independent living facility or assisted living, they have the huge possibility of bringing with COVID. So the more that we can do to try to keep COVID out of these facilities, the better it will be. The next thing is that caregivers and also healthcare workers should be screened for fever, respiratory symptoms, and diarrhea on entry. And we should be repeating this at least once during the shift because we are seeing a lot of caregiver spread where a caregiver is taking care of more than one senior or the caregiver is taking care of several seniors in a facility and then they become sick and they spread it between person to person to person. Um, And that is very deadly uh, for a facility and also for the people that are there. Um, As well as the big thing too that we're seeing is that there's a lot of workers that work in more than one facility. And so instead of saying you can't work elsewhere, you have to stay here, what we ended up doing was uh, compiling a list of the other facilities where the caregivers were working um, so that we could monitor which facilities had COVID cases and to avoid inter-facility spread. And the other thing we we actually were doing is that we're actually keeping residents in their rooms. So food is delivered to the door, not the dining room. Mail is delivered to the door, not the mail room. Any therapy is being done in the room because we're trying to avoid as much hall contact. Most halls are on the narrow side and if a person passes another person who's coughing, it's gonna be an easy spread for COVID. And then if people do come back with COVID, um, the big thing is to plan to cohort them or isolate them. And so think ahead of which rooms are gonna be the best places for people to live if they have COVID. 
Now, the other fun thing, too, is the PPE. And if you're like me, many of our facilities is run, are running out of PPE, which is the um, personal protective equipment. A fun fact uh, was that one of our distributors that serves facilities ran out of PPE. So I had a great administrator who actually went on Amazon and was able to get surgical mask, gloves, and gowns. So make sure you guys are looking for other opportunities to get PPE. Other options is to contact your local hospital, um, go, online, go online and look at charities that are supplying that. Um, another fun way is going to home repair or farm supply stores because those often will sell goggles and sometimes masks. So um, now we're going to go on to the next part, which is testing. So on one patient of mine, I got called um, that she's a 95-year-old and she was living in an independent living facility and had a fever. And the nurse wanted a urinalysis to rule out a UTI. Now, first of all, right now with everything that is happening with COVID, the first time you hear the word fever um, in a senior residential community, the first diagnosis in your differential should be COVID. And it, in my mind, COVID is what it, anything that comes back with fever or respiratory symptoms or diarrhea, in my mind, it's COVID unless proven otherwise. And that brings us to testing. So with COVID testing, it's been so variable. Um, some states, the public health department does it all. Others like Illinois, which is where I'm at, uh, will do the test, but you have to figure out a way of collecting the swabs. And area hospitals may be able to supply swabs or assist with testing, but then you also experience many days uh, to return results. So what I do is I order the COVID testing. And then on top of that, what I'll do is I'll order a chest X-ray. Um, yes, for fever only. Um, because I want to make sure there's not an ammonia. And with the patient I was discussing earlier that had the fever, um, she actually came back with having a positive pneumonia. And then I also order, besides the chest x-ray, a respiratory panel. If it's negative and there's a pneumonia on the chest x-ray, there's a high possibility that this could be COVID. And so this patient had all negative respiratory symptoms, or all re a negative respiratory panel. I'll also order a procalcitonin. Um, if it's positive, you can definitely treat the bacterial, but you can actually have COVID and superimposed bacterial infection. So that's why I always like to check it just to you know, be sure. But what's interesting is that actually procalcitonin is usually low in patients with COVID. And so that's something to think about when it's kind of raising or lowering your suspicion as to whether or not this has COVID. This is all while you're waiting for the COVID test to come back. Other things I'll order are a CBC. We are seeing low white blood counts and leukopenia in patients that have COVID, as well as a CHEM20 or a comprehensive CHEM panel. This is a CHEM panel that also includes the liver function tests. We're seeing patients, um, especially seniors who have COVID, having worsening renal function, as well as rises in their liver function tests, so especially um, the liver tests. So that's the testing. So for testing on patients when I'm treating them in place, I try to get the COVID testing, uh, get a chest x-ray, respiratory panel, procalcitonin, a CBC, and a Chem 20. And I'm sure over time there's going to be more tests coming out, but this is the best evidence that I have right now. So then we go to treatment. And when you think about the treatment, um, it's kind of variable for what you have. So what I like to think about is what can I manage when I am with the patient and can be done in a small, usually a facility that doesn't have the most equipment. So my first step is to call the family. 
And I usually call them when I first have a suspicion of positive COVID. And so what I'll do is I'll say, listen, I have a high suspicion of COVID. I'm going to, I, or I have a positive COVID test at that point. Um, but if the patient is clinically worsens, uh, if the patient is clinically worsening, what do you want me to do? And that's where we have a great conversation. That's usually why I want to talk to patients' family um, when I have a suspicion. So do you want to send the patient to the ED or do you want to intubate them? Um, or, you know, is this something that you wouldn't mind just keeping in place? And we can do our best here and see what happens. And most oftentimes among my 95-year-olds, um, the family will say, you know what, no, we do not want to intubate her. We really don't think it's going to be useful for her to be transferred to the ED. Um, and that's when I say, okay, well, if that's the case, then, you know, hospice is a possibility. Right now, if she's stable, we're going to keep taking care of her as best as we can. If she's clinically worsening or uncomfortable, we can bring hospice in. For me, the treatment um, includes supplemental oxygen if they're desatting and uncomfortable. If they do have a bacterial infection, um, my go-to right now has been azithromycin. Uh, primarily because if it is a bacterial infection, then you know you may have you'll actually have coverage uh, for the pneumonia, and there's also a small chance that it might help COVID too. There's not enough evidence, but right now, if you're going to be treating a bacterial infection in a possible COVID patient, um, I feel like it's the best gestalt. Now, the other thing that you hear a lot about on the news is the hydroxychloroquine, um, and it's currently still off-label use for the treatment of COVID. Right now, it's extremely hard to get in the senior residential setting and the nursing home setting, so I don't have much experience with it. But what we're doing is that um, if the patient is hypoxic um, and they're in the 80% uh, for their um, O2 sats, you can consider starting hydroxychloroquine alone. Um, but I have not had experience with this, and it is off-label use. And then. The other thing that we do is to isolate and wait. So trying to get these patients as isolated as possible so that they're not spreading it is the most important thing. And that's something that we're having a real issue with um, is the transparency. Um, because so many times I've called up independent living facilities where a patient of mine is at. And for instance, with this scenario, I got a call from the home for the 95-year-old with the fever where they wanted the UA. And I asked them, is there COVID in your facility? And the response that I got was, we cannot tell you because that is HIPAA. And that is the worst use of HIPAA I have seen in my lifetime. So what happened with this patient was that um, I was so strongly worried that it was COVID. I said, you need to tell me if it's COVID or not. The nurse wouldn't tell me. So then they got the chest x-ray and somebody on the chest x-ray actually wrote down in pencil, positive COVID neighbor. And I was like, what? So then when I called up the nurse to relay that, you know, I want this, you know, this is definitely a pneumonia. We're going to start on azithromycin. We'll see what's happening. I said, you know, somebody wrote here that her neighbor has COVID. And the nurse said, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, her neighbor has COVID. And she's entering hospice. Um, and we didn't, uh, we couldn't tell you. And I'm like, this is the worst, worst Thing. If we can't tell others that there is COVID present in our facilities, how are we supposed to be protecting our patients? And so that is where we have the right to tell others in the facility that there is COVID. This is where we need transparency, especially in a pandemic. This is a definite emergency. And I feel like more people are getting infected by facilities hiding behind this HIPAA, um, especially with this pandemic. So I would say if you've got patients 
tell their families that they have COVID. Um, definitely advocate for the facilities that they are at, letting others know in the facility that there is COVID present. And I think as a physician, it's gonna be extremely hard to treat people um, or make diagnostic decisions without having an understanding that there is COVID in the facility. So in summary, whenever you've got a senior or you get called on a senior patient who's living in a senior residential living, this is your independent living facilities, your assisted living facilities, your even subacute rehab facilities or long-term care settings. Um, what we like to do is to make sure that each facility we go to is prepared, make sure that there is PPE, um, make sure that they're not allowing visitors, that they're screening residents, and that they're making sure that people are not bringing it in and that residents are as isolated as possible. The next part is testing. Um, try to get COVID testing. Order a chest x-ray, a respiratory um, panel, as well as procalcitonin, a CBC, and a Chem 20. And then when we worry about treatment, uh, make sure you include the family. Um, talk about long-term plans. If the patient is worsening, do you want to be sent to the hospital? Do you want them to be intubated? Um, and hospice is a possibility. And that's when you can work through giving them oxygen, maybe starting azithromycin. I have not used hydroxychloroquine. Um, and then you isolate them and wait and hope that they get better. And then ensuring that the transparency of these COVID diagnoses are getting out there so that other residents in these communities know that there is a COVID patient on the floor and even among the healthcare professionals that we know that we can have a patient um, who you know we can treat or we can talk to and order testing um, and have a high clinical uh, suspicion. With my patient um, who was 95, the nurse called up and said that she had a patient who had a fever and wanted a UA. If I didn't have a high suspicion or if I wasn't even thinking about COVID, I would have ordered a UA, which would have been normal. And then we would have just watched her for a while and then watched her get worse. And so that's why it's important um, to avoid spread and to make sure that we can have a quality conversations um, with our older adults and their families about what their goals are as things get worse. So hopefully we'll make it through this. Um, being in Chicago and the Cubs uh, winning the 2016, we got this. That was our motto that year. So we got this. We can do it. And we are all in it together. So thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and help our seniors. We thank you again for joining PrimeMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.